The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Williams, along with Mr. Isaac Simpson. After the Memphis Grizzlies beat the LA Clippers, final score 122 to 94. And this is not at all how I pictured this going down tonight. Man, big, big, big victory, man. 122 to 94. Uh, going in, I was like, if the Grizz could find a way to get one of these two, it'd be fantastic. But I, I, I thought they might be able to sneak one out, but I didn't think it would be anything like this, man. Uh, what, what a victory, man. It had a couple days off and, and a, a chance to get some rest, man. And it, it looks like it did them good. Uh, Dylan Brooks back in the lineup tonight. And, boy, he was huge tonight for the Grizzlies, man. I'm excited and a chance to go into tomorrow night with House Money. We'll see what happens. Yeah, efficient night for Dylan, really. You know, I mean, he was – uh. He took 13 shots, 46% from the field. I'll take that. You know, if he can hover right around that area all, all the time, I'm good with that. If he can be the, you know, the the mid to upper 40 range in his field goal percent with some of the shots that he has to take, I'm definitely okay with that. So I was, I was glad that he was back. There are a surprising amount of Dylan haters in Grizz Nation. <laughs> I am not one there of are. them. Um, <laughs> I just I cannot wrap my mind around that, but th- this game was incredible, and it's another one of the uh, the box score stuffing games. You know, you got yeah. two guys that are just outside of double figures, but six guys in double figures, including Tyus Jones with his career high of twenty points, and and just under fifteen minutes. Big game for him. He has really turned it on. We talked about Tyus uh, leading up to and including that Oklahoma City game, he was playing some kind of awful. And in these last four, he has turned it around. He's averaging 12 points, shooting 64% from the field and 38% from three after going through an awful slump. Yeah, I mean, he really is playing well. I think uh, he really he played well in that Dallas game. I think that kind of got lost in the kind of the way that game went. But, I mean, he – it was a microcosm tonight of kind of everything coming together, man. 20 points uh, off the bench um, in only 15 minutes. I mean, he was fantastic tonight. Again, when he's when he plays really well, uh, that second unit usually plays really well. And you kind of look at this box score. Uh, we kind of talked about what a Grizz win box score looks like. And, and we've kind of seen lately when they win games, those are you know, two games in the middle of the week, Detroit and Oklahoma City, were kind of, kind of games they just kind of won where they struggled a little bit. But when they really play well, this is what these – box scores looks like everybody on the team um on the plus side of the plus minus tonight uh but again man, big game for stones uh 20 points off the bench in 15 minutes super efficient 9 11 from the field knocked down two threes i mean he was just fantastic uh i mean if, if they get that tires i think this team is going to be pretty hard to beat with the depth that they have and the guys that they have off the bench justice winslow looking better each and every game you know he, he's God. starting to kind of shake that rust off and, and yeah. i mentioned after his first game back, he's not going to get any type of hate from me moving forward until he gets uh, somewhere around 300 minutes or so played. Got, got to yeah, get that I, rust off, man. You know, after oh, a oh. year of not playing. For, for sure. I mean, I, I've been a big believer in him the, the whole time. I've kind of talked about it, that he's going to be a big part of this team going forward. And I've had a lot of pushback on that. A lot of Grizzlies fans didn't expect much. Uh, but, I mean, I think you can already see here offensively, it's, it hasn't come together yet. It came together a little bit more tonight. He had nine points. Uh, but but you can see the defense, the defense that he played on Paul George. I mean, he was all over him at times. I mean, six six rebounds of an assist and a steal in there. Uh, four eight from the field um, in 22 minutes. I mean, he's going to wreak havoc for this team. 
Um, you, you When you have guys like that, you can throw him out there. The length that he has, I mean, he's going to really help this team defensively. He's a secondary ball handling. His, his offense is going to come around. He's going to eventually make shots. I mean, he's not a shooter, uh, but but he's a guy that's a capable shooter. He can he can knock down three-pointers. He can knock down shots. And, but I think the most part of his game is the defense and secondary ball handling and, and, and getting, to the, getting to the basket. Um, is what he's going to bring to this team, and I'm, I'm excited about his addition. I think he's going to be really big, and he's going to continue to get better and better offensively. And I think we're going to see this as time goes on. Yeah, he he had a monster defensive play on the break against Kawhi Leonard there, and in, in the fourth, you know, it just stripped him. Yeah, just ripped you know. the off. I mean, it was awesome. <laughs> Kawhi goes straight to the referee to whine about it, but it was clean. You know, it, it was uh it was great, incredible defensive play by him there, and and that is, you know, I. I like because from game one with him, his defenses look good. He was solid yeah. on the defensive end, just wasn't knocking down shots. A lot of stuff was short. And again, just rust. It's to be expected from a guy that has missed an entire calendar year of playing basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to just jump back into an NBA game after you play for a year. I mean, conditioning it, well, while not playing is one thing, but getting out there on the floor playing actual minutes against these high-level athletes, it's – it's a completely different ball game. You really can't simulate it. So uh, he was going to have some some rust and some some issues with. I mean, it's just legs. I mean, your conditioning probably isn't one hundred percent there. But the more you play, the better he's going to get. And again, you kind of see his offense coming along a little bit. Most of his shots were short uh, in, in those first couple games. But I, but he's he's definitely coming around again, man. That monster strip of Kawhi. I um, mean, like again, I, I'm not a guy that can harps on officiating a, a lot. But I think when you play, when the Grizzlies play teams like this. You can see a little one-sidedness when it comes to the free throw discrepancy, but not tonight. I mean, both teams shot 16 free throws. Grizzlies 11 of 16 for 68%. Um, Clippers 14 of 16 for 87%. So no discrepancy in the free throws tonight. Not not much complaint about the referees. I think this game was pretty well officiated. Yeah. Probably uh, it's the best defensive game that I've seen from the Grizzlies in a while. I had some guys – kind of talking with me back and forth on Twitter, and they thought that the Grizzlies played good defense against the Mavericks. And I I did not see it. I don't know if we were watching two different games. I'm not sure what happened there. But Tim Hardaway Jr., he made seven threes in that game, and I guarantee you a minimum of five of those were wide open. And I'm not talking lightly contested where the guy just didn't close out hard. I'm talking he was wide open, and it wasn't because it was some electric, phenomenal pass from Luka that that passed him open. There was just literally no defense there. And so, you know, I'll, I'll die on that hill that they were not good defensively against the Mavericks, even though the Mavericks only scored 102 points. Yeah, I agree with you there. I saw a lot of people saying that, that they played well defensively in that game, and I didn't see that at all. I mean, the guys were getting wide, walking in, stepping in threes all night. Jalen Brunson was getting wide open threes. Like mm-hmm. you talk about Tim Hardaway knocked down seven. I mean, I, I didn't see it. I was When I heard people say that, like I've heard like people that I respect saying that uh, over the last couple of days. I'm like, we must have been watching different games because I didn't see good defense, especially on the perimeter at all in that game, despite them only scoring with 102. Um, in that game, they the Grizzlies did not play good defense in that game. I mean, the perimeter defensive struggles that they had were very apparent in that game, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Much better tonight. The, the Clippers as a team averaged 14 threes on 34 attempts. They only made 12 tonight, so just below their season average. You know, the, the big thing, you've got two guys in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, I think uh, Kawhi's like 
fourth or fifth in the league in scoring at 27 points a game. He had 17 tonight. Paul George had 13. Uh, 42% from the field for Kawhi, which is not a bad number. Paul George was three for 12. So, you know, they've they done a great job on these guys that can fill it up at any given time. Either one of those guys can take over a game, and the Grizzlies were able to uh, do enough to be disruptive to those guys. So I'm, I'm definitely happy the perimeter defense was better. Overall defensive effort from the Grizzlies was better in this game. And I'm going to do – I I read a lot. Like if I see a Grizzlies article – whether I agree with the person or not, whether we have the same views or not, I'm going to read that article. And I read a lot on Dylan Brooks and people bad-mouthing him and talking about how he's overrated as a defender. People are saying, you know, they see effort on the defensive end and they think that equates to good defensive numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to do a deep dive because this is my thing. I like advanced stats. Love them. They, they bring yeah, I'm a, big a lot of extra stat guy stuff too. to the game. Yeah. But they don't tell the full story. And no. when somebody's writing an article or when they're having an argument, they want to go, well, his defensive rating is this. Or his defense. Okay. That doesn't tell a full story. What is James Harden's offensive rating when Dylan Brooks is guarding him? What is Devin Booker's offensive rating when Dylan Brooks is guarding him? Are Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, DeMar DeRozan? Like, give me both sides of the numbers. Don't just give me one side because you have an agenda that you're trying to push that he's not a good defender. I've watched enough basketball to know what I see whenever I'm there. I've been to quite a few Houston games before Harden got traded and watched Dylan Brooks out there. And you're not stopping James Harden. You have to make it hard for him. And Dylan Brooks does that. So, the, you know, regardless of what defensive rating says, that's not the full story. And so I, I, I want to find out. I've been, uh, been kind of doing a little bit of digging. I don't have it together yet to present an argument tonight. And I may look like a fool at the end of the day whenever I dig into these stats, but the eye test sure says yeah, something. Yeah, the eye test. For sure, the eye test is 100%. I think you saw that on full display tonight, despite them winning this game by 28 points. I think if Dylan Brooks was still sidelined, I think this would be a different game. Uh, but you talked about Paul George, like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and how the great job the Grizzlies did against them. And, I mean, him and Justin Winslow uh, did a ter terrific job all night, but I think – Again, if Dylan didn't play in this game, I think those guys probably go off for, for more points than they, they put out tonight for, and that could have changed this game. So this team absolutely needs Dylan Brooks. I mean, the energy, just the energy that he brings, you can tell that it adds something intangible to this team. And I think he was fantastic defensively tonight, and I don't think his defense is, a lot of people say it's just fake defense, why he just does a lot of moving around and clapping his hands and it's not really real. I don't buy into that at all. I think he... It's tremendous for this team on defense and uh, really valuable to him. And I think you saw that tonight and what we saw the last couple of games when he didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. They look, they couldn't even spell defense in the games that he was out. It was, uh, it was not good. Um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that the Grizzlies are going to make any kind of crazy big moves before the deadline. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this, and I know that uh, I know you're a big Kyle guy, and this is not me uh, shipping him out. But I, I mentioned this whenever I talked about the the schedule releasing. Um, 
you know, as the Grizzlies go through this developmental season, and every time I say that, it makes my stomach hurt because, <laughs> man, I like I get it. I understand you want to find out what pieces fit and whatnot, but do you think that Justice Winslow brings enough to the table that he makes a guy like Kyle or maybe even Tyus expendable? It's definitely an interesting argument uh, because you, you could kind of look at the Cal Anderson thing and say sell high. Uh, his value is probably never going to be higher than it is right now with the season that, that he's having. Uh, the question is, I mean, do you, you it, it it depends. On, I mean, and I think I think Justin's going to be great. Again, I I believe in him wholeheartedly, but I, I just love Cal so much. I would hate for I, I want him to I want him on this team. I just think to have that type of versatility, have all these guys that can like you got Cal who can. Secondary ball handling, great defense defender, really good shooter now. Uh, he's become a really good three-point shooter. Uh, you have another guy, Justin Winslow, who can handle the ball as well. All these secondary ball handles along with John, I think that really kind of helps him out. Uh, they have, have so much pressure on him to have him on the ball all the time. I think having guys like that and that versatility help, helps him out a lot. So I would like to see Kyle stay, but I could definitely see Kyle being a guy that they might float out there because of, again, his value is probably high enough ever get right now so if you're going to get something for him this will be the time and i think winslow being that secondary ball handling the guy that can fend like that with with lint could make him expendable so it wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy you could maybe see him packaged with ding and his expiring contract uh or, or, or something like that i don't think they make any big moves but i think they're they're going to do something uh with that gene contract i i would be shocked if gorgeous still on his team past the trade deadline i think you have to kind of cash in on that expiring contract and, and i think kyle anderson could be a guy that you could add to that. So what about Tyus? Do you think that he is, you know, obviously he's not on the untouchables list that, you know, that list is uh, in my opinion, is pretty short on this Grizzlies team. But do you think that, you know, based off of what we see from justice moving forward, that that could affect whether Tyus is here or not? But I, I, I personally wouldn't move him because I think you need another true point guard, even though, Kyle and Justice, Justice can fill in that role. I, I think it's still good for you to have even De'Anthony Melton uh, is a guy that you can put on the ball. But I still think you need that true point guard off the bench, at least one other guy outside of Ja uh, on his team. So I, I wouldn't move him. Uh, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, this team, again, this front office is thinking long-term. And I, I don't think there's worried about this season as I would like them to be. So moving, on, moving off of Tyus might not be – as crazy in their eyesight as it would would for me, because I think if you're going to be competitive, I think you still need that true point good off the bench. But they might not find it important. They might think they can get through the seat the rest of the season with, like I said, with guys like Kyle and, and Justice and DeAnthony Melton, because you can put those guys on the basketball. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Melton in there because that's kind of where I was going with this. You know, the, the Grizzlies committed the money to him in, in the off season, and had this game not been out of hand. This is the second time this season we get a, a coaches did not play for DeAnthony Melton. And, yeah. you know, you, you look at who, like, the rotation guys and, and who do you take minutes from, where does it go from there? You know, maybe you argue that Desmond Bain, because he's a rookie, is a guy that you take out of the rotation. But for me, that's not it. Because, you know, Bain brings something to the table that, that Melton does not. Obviously, Melton is a, is a far superior defender at this point. But, you know, it, 
I just look through at the guys that play and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I want to see Melton in this rotation, but where do those minutes come from? And so that's why, you know, I, I think that as this front office, as we move closer to the trade deadline, that we may see a rotation player get moved in order to play some of these guys. And, and you know, the, the reason why I even brought up Kyle was just age, you know, and it's not that Kyle is old by any, you know, he, he's not at all but he's not in the same timeline as some of the rest of the guys on this team. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's why I bring him up and I'm not a, you know, you and I have talked about this before and about where the Grizzlies would be without Kyle Anderson this season. And, and it would be terrible. So, you know, I, I'm not a, you know, let's pack his bags and ship him out of town. I'm not on that boat, but I'm just trying to look and, and it's hard to determine what this front office is doing. There's so many question marks and, you know, I don't know shadiness, if that's what you want to call it from them, but it's just different. You don't get a whole lot from this front office, and so it, it makes it leaves a lot of guesswork in it, and, and it makes it a little more difficult. Yeah, I, I think when you look at this, this roster and how these guys, especially the wings, uh, shooting guard, small forwards, ha- have played this year, I mean, when, when Jerry comes back, I mean, he's going to have a problem. There's going to be some one or two guys on the outside looking in this rotation. I mean, you look at these guys like Grayson Allen and the step forwards and the strides that he's made. Uh, you talk about Desmond Bain, which he's a guy that we'd like to see shoot more. He's been in a little bit of a slump since he came back, but you think he's too good of a shooter to stay in, and he's eventually going to come out of that. And now you add Justice Winslow into the equation. You got Kyle's been playing fantastic, and you, you talk about DeAnthony Melton. Uh, only three minutes tonight. I put out a tweet out earlier uh, saying that he's basically playing kind of a joke, playing walk walk on minutes, uh, like they throw guys in the end of the game at walk ons in college basketball. Um, yeah. and it's it's kind of weird to see that as good as he's been, and and for them to, the financial commitment they made to him this summer for a guy the second time, like you said, we've seen this, and I, I'm I'm not sure how uh, Coach Jenkins picks him to be the guy outside the rotation. I guess maybe. And you can't even say that with it anymore because he's been shooting well from three. I was about to say his shooting would be the issue, but he's been shooting the ball well. So I, I don't know, man. It, it it wouldn't surprise me to see, like you said, one rotation player added with Gorgie Jean to kind of kind of try to lighten up this rotation so you can see some more guys because when Jerry Jackson Jr. comes back, it's definitely going to be a problem. And I guess I'm going to say expendability breeds flexibility. So it allows you to be able to to, to make a move like that. Yeah, so I'm I'm pulling up uh, Melton's numbers this year. As I was trying to get there before you finish your point there, I didn't make it. I'm a little bit slow. But, you know, it, it's that would be the one argument as to why you would say, okay, Melton is out of the lineup because he's not a dependable shooter. But this season, he he definitely has been significantly better. Especially right there before he got hurt. I mean, he was really shooting the basketball well from from three uh, before he went out with that injury. So I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, some somebody's not going to be happy if they don't make a move because again, one or two of these guys are not going to get probably the minutes that they deserve. And a lot of people throw Grayson Allen out there as, as the guy, but I mean, he's been fantastic as well. Do you and then this team needs shooting? Are you really going to set him down? I mean, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, it it they really do have too many wings right now. It's a great problem to have, but again, it, sometimes it comes a point of. You, you just have a guy riding away on the bench and he has value, a guy that can actually play and go somewhere else and play. I mean, you might have to, to move on from a guy. So it, it's, 
I, I, again, I think I think they make some type of move at the deadline. I do think Zing will 100% be moved. And what can you add to that to see if you can – what can you bring back uh, for, for Zing and maybe one of those wings? Yeah, you know, I, I think it, with what you have right now, there there's so much talent on the roster that you're going to move a piece in a trade – that's going to kind of hurt a little bit as, as a Grizzlies fan. And as somebody that, that watches these games, you're going to, you're going to move a guy, a, a Grayson Allen, a Kyle Anderson, possibly even a D'Anthony Melton. You know, you can throw a, a long list of names of possibilities out there that, that may get moved by the trade deadline. And, and these are guys that are rotation players. I didn't, you know, you wouldn't think that either of the rookies are going to be in that conversation because of what they're producing early on. But I think a lot of it depends on how this front office values what they're getting in return. And I, I've got Melton, um, you know, he's at 38% from wow. three this year, you know, and, and that's significantly better. I, did, I had his career numbers up and I clicked the wrong button here, but you know, thir- 38% that that's for what he brings to the floor, the energy and the defense, the rebounding from his position, everything else that he brings to the floor, you can live with 38%, you know, and it's not like living with 38% is so bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's, that's pretty solid. Excuse me. At one, at one time, you have a few, four or five years ago, that would have been fantastic, but guys are game So offensively based now guys are shooting 48, 49%. So it's a little bit different, but 38, percent is, is is pretty good but this kind of goes back to the summer and, and, and kind of my thoughts I, I love the Anthony Melton uh, as a player but I didn't want them to overpay pay for him because I just kind of looked at this roster and thinking justice is going to be back at some point and just kind of looking you just drafted Bane I was just kind of looking at the roster and thinking do they really need to pay pay him is it, is it overkill um, and I think that's kind of what we're looking at now now they, I think they did get him. I was thinking maybe people were talking about 10, 12, even 14 million. I didn't want to pay him that. I think they got him on a pretty good contract, and it's a tradable contract uh, if you want to move him. So, but but that's that was kind of my thoughts on this situation going to the season. I think they probably had too many too many wings when you look at, especially when you look back at the bubble and the way that Grayson had played. I was just wondering, did it make sense long term for this team to make a financial commitment to him? But again, it's an expendable contract. I mean, a contract that you can move if it comes to that, but that was just kind of my thinking on that. Yeah, I was the same way that that was, you know, the, the 12 million thing was, I was completely out on him. You know, at, at that point, if they yeah. were offering him 12 million, because you, you look at the other contracts in the league and the guys that are making that money. And he just, to me, he's not there. He's not at that level. No. You know, Grayson is shooting 41, you know, it's 40.7. C rounded up 41% from three. Is that extra three percent worth the gap that you're losing in defense? Because I, they're not even in the same ballpark whenever it comes to the defensive end. You know, Grayson is a, I think, average defender, maybe a little bit too generous for him. And, and you know, I hate to be negative. He, he didn't play awful tonight. He actually did have a, a, a couple pretty good contests. But I think that anybody that watches the games would easily say that Melton is a better defender. And, and it kind of go back to your point on Winslow. Same thing we kind of said about Cal. You could kind of say the same thing about uh, uh, about Winslow and, and, and D'Anthony Melton. Uh, Winslow is another guy who can 
can bring the ball to the floor and he plays great defense and he kind of makes De'Anthony Melton more expendable. Uh, so, I mean, that's that that's going to be a question for this front office because, again, it's hard to kind of – this team is in a weird position because I think – and this kind of goes back to my point. I'm not going to get deep into it here, but it, it's kind of a situation where you're in the second year of a rebuild, but you, I think you're like so far ahead of where you should be. So how much do you – go into the now how far do you look do you make these moves looking at the roster for this year how i mean it's just kind of a balance there that you get so you really don't know what this front office is thinking you see things that they're doing and it, it just kind of kind of confuses you at times but um again man they they have some decisions to make going into the second half and schedule is brutal uh so you might need some of that depth but who knows how this thing shakes out but i do think again that one of those guys was probably going to be Packers that a deal along with Gorgie Jing was it brings back draft compensation or you could find a, a young guy that, that kind of fits the timeline for, for the rest of the guys on the roster and your main guys going forward uh, will be interesting to see. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you're moving one of these guys to get a young player, it's got to be somebody I would think that is not a wing, maybe a young big or something of that nature. Uh, you know, just who knows? I, I don't know what this front office is going to do, but for me, you know, if you're moving one of these young wings, I would think that you want so would want somebody that's going to play the four or five, uh, you know, rather than the wing position, because if you're moving a young wing for another young wing, young wing yeah, it doesn't really make any know, sense. It, it doesn't, you know, you're, you're in the same boat. Um, but let's ba- bounce back to the box where we kind of got off track a little bit there. That was my fault. I, I drove us that way. John Morant, 16 and seven tonight. JV with, uh, I believe that's number 17 on double-double yeah. list for him, 16 and 15. And, you know, he, he brought it back around at one point in this game. He was uh, doing pretty pretty rough from the field, and he ended up finishing pretty strong. I know, you know, he had a, a double-double in the Mavs game, but it was not really a good double-double. He was looking – he missed a lot of easy little bunny shots right around the rim that, that he shouldn't be missing. Kyle Anderson, 13, 7, and 6. We talked about Grayson with 10 points. Uh, Tillman, 4, 3, 5, and 2 off the bench. Brandon Clark with 9 and 8. Justice Winslow, 9 and 6. Bain only had 4 points tonight. He only shot the ball, what, 5 times? Yeah. Yeah. So not really enough shots for him. And and that's something I feel like I'm beating the same drum. I want to see Bain because of the level of his shooting. I want him to take more shots. Yeah, and they kind of kind of go back one point on Ja. Uh, when, when I kind of look at this season, he only scored 16 points tonight, but he came out super aggressive in the the first quarter. And I think of all the games this year, this game to me kind of looked more like last season. Ja, the the way the, the aggressiveness he's going to the baskets and some of the some of the moves he was making, he just had a different different look at his eye tonight uh, than that he's kind of had lately, and that looked a lot more like the Ja Morant we were used to. I think tonight with some of those moves to the basket. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. He, uh, this is the version of him that the Grizzlies need moving forward. If they're going to finish inside this play in that, you know, you're talking about how brutal the the second half of the schedule is. And they've, they've got that seven game road trip in April. And even prior to that seven game road trip, it's not an easy schedule. It is brutal. (laughs) <laughs> and then when when you get to that seven game road trip, if they're lagging behind at all, they're gonna they're gonna be hard pressed to make up any ground during that seven game road stretch because that's against good teams. Chicago being 
the only exception to that rule. And, you know, by that time, if Chicago's healthy, Chicago has talent on that roster. They're not a pushover. Zach Levine is an all-star this year for a reason. He's balling out. You know, Wendell Carter Jr. just came back healthy. He's looking good, playing good basketball. Uh, Laurie Markinen is out right now, but he's probably going to be back by the time they get to that stretch of games. So, you know, Chicago would be on paper the most winnable of those seven games, and they could easily, you know, if they're behind, if, if they fall off any at all before they get to that point, they could easily get buried in that stretch right there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I wasn't able to jump on with you uh, on the podcast about the schedule last night, but, I mean, you talk about that seven-game stretch. There's another stretch, I think, at the end of March where they play the Jazz, the best team in the NBA, three out of four games, the first two on a back-to-back in Salt Lake City. And then in between that, they got a trip to Houston, which Houston has, hasn't really been good this year, but that's a place where the Grizz have historically struggled. They've already lost one game to Houston, and they come back home and play the Jazz. And that's three, four, three out of four games you play the best team in the NBA. I mean, schedule makers, they, they, they didn't do the Grizzlies any favor. I know the Grizzlies in San Antonio had a lot of games to make up, but it just seems like when you look at the teams that they're playing and the way that the games are positioned, it's, it's just rough, man. I I don't envy these guys. I, I got Again, I know how this front office operates. I got a feeling that we're going to see a lot of mysterious, quote, injuries. Guys are going to be sore. They're going to sit guys for games. I, I just kind of know that's how they're going to operate, but it's kind of disappointing to me because I've got to talk about this on Twitter. I mean, it is what it is. I understand to a sense, but uh, the schedule, I think it's going to kind of give them more of an excuse to sit a lot of guys, and I think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see that. I think even when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back, I think they're probably going to bring him along really slowly. I don't think you're going to see him playing heavy minutes. Maybe I, I, I want to say for the rest of the year, but I don't definitely not initially. He's not going to be playing heavy minutes. I don't think so. It's going to be interesting, man, how they navigate that. But it's probably the toughest, toughest schedule I've ever seen. Man, no, don't even have any consecutive days off. It almost looks like a baseball schedule. It's ridiculous, man. That thing should be illegal looking at it. Man, I, I tell you, as, as I was, you know, digging through and looking at that schedule, I'm like, that, that, there's no way that there is another team in the league that has a seven-game stretch that's that rough. There, there's no chance. Seven row games, 10, 10 days against... Like, like 11 back-to-backs. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, insanity. <laughs> It is going, it's going to be rough. And that's, you know, I go back to this draft and, and the, the talent that they have at the top of this draft. And, and I don't mind being in the lottery, Oh but no. you know, I, I think you and I are on the same page of, you know, this team is better than that. You know, th- this team is, is definitely capable. And this game tonight shows that they are more than capable of competing with anybody on any given night, you know, that they can, they can beat any of the teams, you know, the Clippers have their holes in their roster, but you still have three of the best wing defenders in the league on this team. And the Grizzlies' wings scored the ball just fine tonight. The Grizzlies executed. They played their game plan, and they played it perfectly, and they beat this team. And And you're not going to play perfectly every night, but you can compete with these guys. And then here we are questioning at times, is this a tanking tactic? And I hate that we even have to have that conversation, but some of the stuff that happens, it makes you scratch your head and wonder. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of what I've been saying. Like I said, I don't think as an organization they're, they're saying, well, we're taking, we're trying to purposely lose games. I don't think they're all in on that, but I, I think 
their mindset is so forward thinking that they don't mind doing certain things that would be a detriment to the right now. And I just kind of wish they would kind of move off, move off a little bit and just kind of let it play out organically. And if they might not make the playoffs, even if you let it play out, they might end up being a bottom of the lottery team. Uh, but I, I think this team is definitely, if they're pushing forward, I think this team is at least a, a play-in team. And I think it's a team that could compete for this division. I mean, San Antonio's number one division, and we just saw we beat them twice on the back-to-back. I mean, it's good. It's good. they're going to have a tough schedule as well uh, with some games that they got to make up. So uh, Dallas is, I think Dallas is probably going to make a move uh, to uh, up in the standards. I think they'll probably play better in the second half, but I mm-hmm. think the Grizzlies could possibly win this division. I think they could compete uh, at that level. So it just, it does kind of irk me that they might not be all in on that. Uh, but I understand you, Jerry Jackson Jr., how valuable he is to the future of this team. You don't want to do anything to to kind of put that in jeopardy. But, I mean, again, it's just tough when you see, especially when you see games like tonight. I mean, without your second-best player, Jerry Jackson Jr. hasn't even suited up and how well this team can play at times. It's just kind of tough to see that they might not be all in on maximizing what they can do this season. Yeah, 500 basketball at this point in the season without your second-best player is uh, is damn good. It really is, and that's, uh, you know, the the second half's not going to do them any favors, but maybe they can maintain it. I don't know. You know, I mentioned last night we're going to do a uh, a giveaway as a sh- uh, from the show. This is how that's going to break down, guys. We are going to do a prediction giveaway. The winner will receive your choice of two tickets to a game for the upcoming season. Not this season. We will obviously not know the results till the end of the year. So I want your predictions for the second half, what the Grizzlies record is going to be for the second half. And we're going to have a tiebreaker because there will be some people that have the same answers. The tiebreaker is going to be Ja Morant total points for the remaining games of the season. So whoever wins this contest, when the next year's schedule comes out, I will get in contact with you. You can choose a game. No games blacked out. It can be whatever game you want it to be. That will be the prize. We're going to tweet about it moving forward from now. We'll set the cutoff date. Uh, when do they come back from the All-Star break? It is uh, the, the 10th? 11? I want to say the 11th for some reason. I could be wrong. I don't have it in front of me. But, yeah, man, that's going to be interesting to see those answers. I kind of want to know what Chris Nason is thinking out there. Uh, because, I mean, again, I think this team is talented. But, but I mean, that schedule is just so brutal, man. I, I just – the legs are going to be – they're going to have some nights where they're just going to be dog-tired. I mean, you kind of saw – them over this last four and five game stretch, how they kind of looked at some of those games, even against Detroit and Oklahoma City teams that you thought that they would win pretty easily. I think they kind of struggled because they just didn't have legs in those games, and that's going to be pretty much the rest of the year. They're going to be in yeah. that, that type yeah. of situation. So, uh, man, it, it's rough, man. They, again, man, I, I haven't kind of – I want to kind of go through San Antonio's schedule. I haven't really looked at their schedule because they're the team that's kind of in the same boat, but I got a feeling theirs probably isn't as, as hard as the Grizzlies is right now. Uh, they were – Oh man, I had Tangathon up. I can't remember. I don't remember San Antonio being ahead of them for strength of schedule. But there were seven teams from the, and it included the five games before the break. Uh, but there were seven teams ahead of the Grizzlies. I know one of them, uh, the Pelicans, have a pretty tough schedule. They were ahead of the Grizzlies for the remaining games that they had. But I don't remember the Spurs being one of those teams. I could be wrong. 
I'll have it for you guys. What we got uh, Sunday's game. So the cutoff, I found that they come back on the 10th Wednesday against the Wizards. The the cutoff for the contest, uh, I want your predictions in. Tuesday, March 9th will be the cutoff. And we will tweet this out. We'll have it out there. Retweeted. the. I'll tweet it from the uh, Hootball Grizz page. That's at Hootball Grizz on Twitter. You guys get out there. Let us know what you think. And again, the winner gets your choice of a game. Two tickets to any game that you want to watch next year. Man, awesome, awesome, man. This kid is going to be interesting to see see those answers, man. Um, see what it could like again. Um, <laughs> man, I, I'm excited for it. I think if you want to take a silver lining out of it, I think uh, us as fans and people who cover the team, I think we'll have a game at least every every other night at minimum. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. Hey, yeah, have plenty of content. Where there <laughs> definitely sure. is not going to be a shortage of content moving <laughs> No, forward. definitely so. not. I think there's going to be a lot going on. With the team, you got Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back, so definitely not going to be a lack of content. That's for sure. All right, final score of the game again: one twenty-two to ninety-four. The Grizzlies get back to five hundred fourteen and fourteen. That is good for the what is that nine seed? Yep, nine seed, just above the Mavericks. And we're back again tomorrow night. Uh, the show will not be back. We won't be doing a post game. It is my son's birthday. He wants to go to a basketball game. We will be at the FedEx Forum, hopefully watching another Grizzlies win. We will see. But we will be back with you Sunday for another post game when they play, I believe, the Wizards, if I'm not mistaken. The Rockets. I don't know Rockets, why I'm Rockets, 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 yeah, yeah. Rockets. Isaac, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? Man, I was going to say, well, the Grizzlies seem to like these back-to-backs. It worked out in San Antonio, so hopefully we can get a – uh, a kind of a deja vu situation of that uh, house yeah. money tomorrow night for the Grizzlies. So hope I'm, I'm hoping they don't rest guys with the back to back. They shouldn't, they, they got a couple of days off. So hoping that's not the case. Uh, but again, man, an opportunity to, to get a sweep here and how big would that be uh, after the, the kind of struggles they've had over, over a recent to sweep the Clippers and yeah. with some momentum going into Houston, that would be nice to see. Be huge, man. They could finish this first half above 500. You know, they, they win the, the game tomorrow night against the Clippers then you have a, a Rockets team, which you could beat. You know, that team is definitely not a, you know, on paper, I say the Grizzlies are better than that team. They yeah, should I, win that game. Yeah, I feel good about that one. I think the Grizzlies kind of owe them one from the one that, that they here in Memphis. I think I think the Grizzlies, I've, I've looked at that game, and I said, I think the Grizzlies are going to go down there and win that game. So I kind of feel good about that one. Yep. And then they, uh, they finish. They got uh, Rockets. They play at Washington well, and then back yes, home with, to, with to finish the first half against Milwaukee. So they could, you know, the, these next three, if they get this second one, they sweep the Clippers. They could, they got a really, really good shot of finishing above 500 heading into the second half up against a brutal schedule. So we'll get out of here, guys. Isaac, thank you as always for coming on with me, man. You can get the show on Twitter, guys, at Hoopball Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac is Isaac underscore rivals. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Go Grizz. Keep an eye out for that contest. I will get it posted on Twitter later tonight. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.